Well, before we get uh, rolling today, last week, Tim and Nellie were here, the Bertrands, as uh, missionaries to Trinidad, and this is an update. Ooh, they put that right there. That was going to look funny on the live stream. Don't screenshot that. <laughs> First of all, I'm going to try and get through this on one cough drop and not two. Um, because uh, that hit our house th- this week. So um, Tim and Nellie were here, and uh, they, they did a great job. And we look forward to seeing their progress and where they're headed um, throughout the United States as they look to um, head south in, uh, in April. And uh, God was very faithful through you guys as we were able to give $1,600 in a deputation offering last week, which is fantastic. So praise the Lord and thank you for your faithfulness. Um, and that's just amazing and fantastic and awesome. And God is really, really good. So... Um, it's a great, so we were the first church that they, the first stop, um, on a Sunday morning for them and, uh, they were ecstatic and, uh, so we look forward to seeing where God, um, how God uses them in a great and powerful way. So, um, let me remind you, let's get caught up, uh, in case you've missed, um, anything over the last few weeks. Or, let me remind you, in case you forgot, because I know that happens too. Um, We're talking about purpose and calling. Um, And we all have a shared purpose, right? Which is to glorify God. That's our job. That's why we're here. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, and no matter where you live, your purpose is to glorify God. That was your part. You did forget. Okay. Um, And we all have a calling, right? We all have some kind of a calling. Those callings, those those talents, the gifts that God has blessed us with, right? Those those gifts and callings, they're unique to us. They're they're, uh, callings that they're maybe not unique in general, so to speak, right? There's lots of people that can sing. There's lots of people that can um, do very specific things, but um, we, we take our, our bucket and we throw in that we can sing, and then our life, um, our past life, and our current life, and our family, and our background, and what we're doing, and our job, and we mix it all up, and that's what makes us who we are, and that's what makes our calling unique to us, and because of who we are, that's what makes you, that, that, that stuff that makes you, you, it's what makes your calling unique. Even if you sing and they sing. And by the way, we had a couple of hornets up here too. I'm, I'm sorry, Abby and Penny. Um, Kyle, what is the University of Chicago? The Maroons? Okay. He's a Spartan right now, but he's going to be a Maroon. I'm not discriminating um, between any pioneers and hornets. I'm just saying um, but uh, we, we just know that uh, those callings, they, they make us unique together, right? And we've been following David, 
right? The, the little David, remember David and Goliath, through the book of 1 Samuel, and how he glorified God through his callings, the talents and the blessings that God has given him. And we called him the Swiss Army knife of callings because he had so much going for him. He had a lot of things that he was really good at, right? And we started off by talking about how his life, we are introduced to David by seeing him get passed by, okay? He's, he's introduced, he's passed by by his father, Jesse. He's passed by by all his seven brothers and by the prophet Samuel. And, um, and he's trying to be uh, anointed the next king of, of Israel, but nobody gives him a chance except God. And God doesn't look at the outward appearance. See, Eliab, the first brother of David, Jesse's first son, big, tall Eliab, little bitty David, the Hakaton, right, the, the brother out in the wilderness watching the sea, sheep, he gets passed by, but God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And the heart is what matters the most to God. And God and David... God, God chose David to be the next king of Israel because David had a heart for God, because that was the most important thing. Then two weeks ago, before Tim and Nellie came last week, uh, we introduced you to a new term. At least I think it was new um, because I made it up. Um, spiritual woo. Remember spiritual woo? David had remember woo spirit strength finders. Okay, strength finders, that, that confidence, that David had the utmost confidence that God could do anything. And that's a great thing. I believe that a lot of people share David's confidence, that God can do anything. Raise your hand if you think God can do anything. Yeah. I mean, I think that if we just close our eyes and we took a, a, just a blind pull, and if we went into the Walmart parking lot and when people came in, do you think that God could do anything? And they said, well, sure, they, if they would agree. And then they would say, well, what God, probably. And then we'd have to have that debate because that's the world we live in, right? But we would still have that discussion and they would say, yes, God could do anything. David believed that God could do anything, but the spiritual woo part went beyond that. Because God is able to accomplish anything. But David didn't just, he went one step further. He believed that God could do anything through him. And, and I don't know that everyone has that same confidence. That if I said, hey, raise your hand this time and say, do you believe that God can do anything through you? That we would have the same amount of hands go up. We would have hands go up. I believe that. But I don't know that we all have that same confidence, the same spiritual woo, and I want you to smile every time I say spiritual woo, all right, because you need to remember it, the confidence that God can do anything through you, because it's true. And we don't have to convince God that it's possible, we got to convince ourselves that that's possible. But God can do anything through us. And he did that through David, and, um, and, and David showed that confidence in God, that, and he ena it, it enabled him to run towards Goliath when it was time to take him on. 
And uh, he showed obedience to Jesse, his father. He showed obedience to God. He showed his focus on what God could accomplish in his life by not listening to what the world was saying, like his brother, like, what in the world are you doing here? Where, where are those, those couple of sheep that you should be uh, watching? And all the little chirping that's going on. And we hear the same thing when the world tells us, what are you doing? You shouldn't be doing this. You're not good enough to do this and that. But David stayed focused. And then his testimony, his personal story lifted God's influence in his life. When he had the opportunity to tell Saul, um, listen, I can do this because this is what God has done, A, B, C. I've done this and this and this, and this is why God's going to do this right now. I'm going to go out there, and Goliath is going down. I can't tell you how, and I can't tell you why, but I know that God has done the bear and the lion, and he protected me too, and so it's going to happen. He used his testimony to tell his personal story about how God has done everything for him. And, and then he, he just knew that his identity rested solely in what God made him to be. And that empowered him to physically do whatever God told him to do. So that's where we've been so far. And so um, now we're caught up. And in case you missed... Anything, if you ever miss, actually, you can always go back. You know, you can go back. First of all, you can go back on Facebook, and all the videos are there, our live stream. They're all there, all of them, like forever, all the way back since 2019. Um, well, we do have a podcast, too. You can go on the podcast, the Apple podcast, Spotify, they're all there. Just search Emporia Nazarene, the podcast, or the Facebook uh, live stream, YouTube live stream. You can catch up. If you forgot something that was important, or if you want to um, maybe take a screenshot of the pastor tripping on a stool, <laughs> whatever works for you. So typically, at the start of our message, I like to ask a question or two that uh, gets your minds headed in the direction that we're going for that particular day. And um, uh, today's no different, but the question, it probably is a little different. And might not be one that you wish to answer out loud, so just a heads up, all right? Um, and so here we go. Have you ever had a boss that's tried to kill you while you're on the job? Literally, not figuratively. I get that. I mean, I doubt it, okay? Most work environments discourage that type of behavior, and that's an HR nightmare, okay? A lot of paperwork involved. Um, but it happened to David, okay? David, um, David got a job. So Saul, Saul had some issues, some depression issues. It was real. He uh, had some mental um, um, imbalances that caused him some duress. And he was, he was unstable. And he was, especially at nighttime, he was uneasy. And so they, they felt like we need to get him some therapy, and it was real. I'm not, I'm not making a joke about it. He, he needed help, and, and they found that this was the way to do it. And so one, we, we pull out the Swiss Army knife, not the slingshot David, not the poet David, but the musician David. And David was a great harp player, and David got hired as 
uh, as a musician to come into the king's chamber and play music for him because the music soothed him enough to calm him down and let him rest. And so David, we see these callings go, and he's in the middle of God using him to fulfill his purpose, and Saul is struggling mentally, and the music's calming him down and helping him until Saul realizes that this David guy that he hears a lot about, he's hearing about, oh, this David, he's, he's, he's the one that, um, he, he killed Goliath, and he's amazing, and he's celeb- there, people are celebrating him and how great he is, and he's getting wind of, he's the next king of Israel, he might be the next guy. He finds out that that's the guy playing the harp in my chambers, and sure enough, Saul sees David. He becomes enraged, and he chucks a spear at David while he's playing the harp. And David, ever the, ever the warrior, has his head on a swivel and misses. He, get, he, he, he dodges the spear, and here comes another one, and he misses again. He eludes the spear two times, and David's out of there. He, he gets out, and he's fine. So that's one instance of, of Saul trying to kill David. And so here's another question. Has your boss, back to the question, has your boss ever sent someone to your house to try and kill you? Trying to kill you at work is one thing, but putting a hit on you is a different thing, right? It's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but again, I doubt it's really ever happened. Well, it happened to David, okay? Saul sends men to David's house. And because he misses with the spear, he's like, I'm finishing the job. This guy's not getting away with this. Um, I'm not going to have all these people talk bad about me when this guy is in my chambers. And so um, David gets wind of what's going to happen, and he decides to skip town. Okay, His wife, actually, the guys show up, uh, Saul's guys show up at his house, and David's wife's like, you got to go. You got to get out. Don't come home. Um, and so... Saul's men, they end up there, and David's wife says, uh, stay away, and she helps him get away, and then she does her part. This part's funny. You should read your Bible, okay? She puts uh, an idol in their bed. Don't ask me why there was an idol at their house, but she puts an idol in their bed and puts some goat hair at the top of it. She goes full Ferris Bueller's Day Off on them and um, covers it up with the, and makes it look like David is in the bed. And, and says, okay, they, they come in and like, hey, where's David? And there he is. He, oh, no, it's not him. David's gone. And, uh, and Saul's like, why did you try and trick me? Well, all the while, David is on the run now. And, um, and, and, da- and God protects David for obvious reasons, right? He's anointed. He's the next king of Israel. And, and Saul tries two times to kill David and God protects him both times, and he gets away. So here we come. These two incidents lead up. They set the table for the why of, uh, of, of today. Um, we come to the calling part, the focus of the day. And even though Saul attempted to take David's life twice, David's calling of integrity and mercy shine through 
um, in our scripture today because David has the chance to return the favor to Saul in our scripture, but he does not do it. So today we're going to be back in 1 Samuel, so if you want to be uh, thumbing through and find 1 Samuel, you can. We're not going to, again, we're not going to read the entire uh, scripture passages because it's two full chapters, uh, chapter 24 and chapter 26. <coughs> and uh, we find the future king of Israel, the second, uh, the second king of Israel. It's David, right? The one that challenged and conquered the giant Goliath. And he's on the run, running away from the current king of Israel. And he chooses to take off and spend time hiding and run away as Saul pursues him. So there's a couple things that we need to know about David at this point before we get into chapter 24. First of all, David, he has a following. David has a, a group of about 600 men, okay? And um, he has this following. Uh, and he knows that uh, it's important that he has a group. That means he's won them over. His, his integrity, the, the decisions he's made, the, the things that he's done in his life have already won people over. That's the kind of person that he was. He knows what's ahead of him. He, he remembers the oil of Samuel's horn as a little boy dripping down his head and being prayed over and anointed as the next king of Israel. He remembers that. He knows what is ahead of him. And so the Spirit of God is on him. He feels that. And that's important. And, and David, again, remember the spiritual woo that he has to pull from this confidence that God can do and use him to do whatever he needs him to do. And so far to this point in David's life, pretty much everything that everything in David's life has gone his way, right? until the spear comes flying towards him. That's probably not his way. And why is that? It's because he's doing what God has called him to do. So when you take time this week to read through 1 Samuel 24 through 26, and um, I encourage you to do that, okay? Read 1 Samuel 24 through 26, okay? Don't just take my word for it. Um, you're going to see a few things that we're going to pull out of the scripture today. But, but read it. It's important. You might pull out a few things that we don't talk about today. But it's just, first of all, it's a cool story. Um, and uh, I encourage you just to read through the scripture because it's fun. It's a fun story. You can read it to your kids. Um, part of it is, uh, it could be gory, but it's not. Um, so it's fun. The Bible is a good thing to read. Don't you agree? <clears throat> All right, you are out there still. Good. Um, first of all, chapter 24, uh, 1 Samuel 24. David and his men, they're being tracked down by Saul and his army. Uh, he takes about 3,000 men, Saul does, to track down David and his army of 600 men. Okay, so he, out, he outranks them. And David and his crew, they're hiding in a cave. And they know that the, this, this crew of 3,000 can wipe them out pretty easy. And Saul's army, they're on the road, and they come to what they call the sheep pens. Okay, So the sheep pens, uh, and, and they get to this spot, and Saul, he has to go, if you know what I mean. Um, it, I equate it to this. If you're leaving Emporia and you're headed to Wichita for a little family trip, 
and you say, okay, kids, use the restroom, and then let's go. And you get in a car, and you get on the turnpike, and you go, and you get to the cattle pins, and it's, mom, dad, I got, I got to go. Well, you don't stop at the cattle pins, right, because you can't stop at the cattle pins. The, Saul and his men would have stopped at the cattle pins to go. You go on to Matfield Green, and you use the rest stop like um, civilized people do. Um, they weren't civilized people, but Saul had to go. And scripture here spares no detail, um, and at the same time, spares every detail. Thank you very much. Um, and this is basically Saul, uh, he goes into the cave to use the bathroom, okay? And David and all his men, big cave, so David and 600 men are in a cave, just happens to be where Saul goes in to use the bathroom. I don't think that's a coincidence, and David, his men, they believe this is, this is the moment. This is the time that David has. They're going to stop. It's finally time to stop running. And David becomes, it's time to become the next king. You're second in line. Saul's right here. He's in the dark. We're going to have our opportunity to, to wipe him out, to kill him. And we're going to come out triumphant. We'll drag Saul's body out and show him to the army, and his army will become your army, and we're good. You're the next king, just like that, right? And so David approaches Saul in the dark. It's dark in the cave. Can't see. Saul thinks he's alone. Of course he does. Why would you go into a cave and think there's 600 people in there, right? And so he goes in there, and David's intent is to end it all for Saul right there until David, and Scripture says he, he's conscience-stricken, but he has this calling of integrity, right? It surfaces from his heart. And David has, it, it says that he has this respect for Saul's position as king. What's Saul's job? He's the king, but he's, he's the anointed king of Israel, God's anointed king. He might not... Uh, necessarily um, be respecting Saul as a person, right? Um, I mean, he did try and kill him twice, so I can understand why David might not respect Saul so much. But Saul was God's anointed king of Israel. And it was important to David um, that he respect that person of authority, the person over him. Also, David was next in line. He was the next king. He was the vice king, if you will. He was going to be the next person. And if he were the one personally to assassinate the king, that would be part of his legacy, wouldn't it? It would be the story that he leaves, that he gets to tell his kids, his grandkids, what a story that would be. Hey, Grandpa, tell us how you became king. Well, the last king came into the, the cave, and, well, he was... Well, how do I tell that story? He was going to the bath. Well, no, I won't tell the story. He, he just, he didn't want to leave that legacy. And he didn't want to set the precedent for the 600 guys that I'm going to kill the guy in front of me just to get personal gain, right? Because maybe when he becomes king, one of those guys could take things into their own hands one day. So David instead sends a message. He cuts off the part of Saul's robe, 
And later, when Saul leaves the cave, he emerges after he's in a safe spot, and he shows Saul, he calls out to Saul, and he says, this is what could have happened. He shows, hey, here's a piece of your robe. This is how close I was to you. This is what could have happened, but I showed mercy. I, I gave you mercy when I could have killed you. That's not what you would have done to me. This is what I've done to you. And this is where that, that calling of mercy emerges for David. And David spares Saul's life. That's the first time. So they're one for one. Saul tried to kill David. David gives Saul mercy, one for one. Um, moving along to, to chapter 26. David, again, is being tracked by Saul. This time they're in the desert. And um, Saul is camping near the roadside. And they're, they're overnight, uh, he, overnight, he's sleeping, he's surrounded by his guards, he's being protected as best he can by his army. And David and another man uh, named Abishai, uh, they, they go into stealth mode for some, somehow. Um, God, the scripture says that God puts them into a deeper sleep, which is nice. Um, and they, they get into the camp and they're standing over Saul. And Abishai says, listen, I'm going to take him out. David, I'm doing this for you. I'm going to kill him so you don't have to. And so you don't have to tell everybody, David, uh, I, your man did it. You don't have to say you did it, all right? But David doesn't allow it. He, won't, he refuses to let um, anybody take this into his own hands. He, in, in verse uh, 10, <clears throat> excuse me. In verse 10, he says, he tells Abishai, as surely as the Lord lives, he says, the Lord himself will strike him, or his time will come, or he will die, or he will go into battle and perish, but the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now, get the spear and the water jug and, uh, that are near his head, and let's go. He, speared, he, he spares Saul's life yet again. Two times, Saul says, I'm going to kill David. Two times, David extends mercy, okay? So they're even, right? They're even. David sends a message, though, okay? He takes his hydroflask, and he takes his spear, and he says, uh, when they leave the camp, he yells out to the, the army commander, Abner, and he says, hey, Abner, you're doing a rotten job, man, because I took all, I took his water bottle, I took his spear, it was right next to him. And here they are, you're doing a terrible job. And while they're yelling back and forth to the camp, Saul wakes up. And Saul says, hey, what's going on? And they have this conversation. And at the end of chapter 26, David and Saul, they reconcile to an extent. They, con they have this reconciliation, a conversation of reconciliation. And Saul goes home. And they part ways. And... Uh, David's calling of integrity, doing the right thing when it matters the most, right? Making the right decision. And he shows mercy and, and when not to take things into his own hands. When to rely on God's plan and God's timing and bring glory to God and fulfill our, his purpose. That that's what happens when you're doing it God's way instead of your own way. David had all the chances to do it his own way, didn't he? 
David persevered for God's plan. And, and listen, he was on the run for a while. This, this spread out over quite a bit of time. And um, it couldn't have been fun, right? Fearing for his life, you know, looking over your shoulder all the time, you know, living in a cave, sleeping on the ground, uh, and, and always being on the move the whole time, the whole time, knowing I'm the next king. I'm, I'm next in line. I, can, I should just go kill him right now. I'll just do it, right? He was anointed. He was chosen by God. He beat out seven other brothers for this, okay? He's got a great resume. I'm ready, okay? He could have been complaining the whole time instead, right? And two times, David, in situations where he could have accelerated God's plan, he could have just put it in and get it going right now. He doesn't do it. Instead, he shows mercy. He shows that he has a heart for God instead. He also learned from the past, probably, I would think, because he remembers stories about Abraham, who tried to do things on his own. Remember Abraham, who tried to speed up God's plan, who wanted, who promised Abraham, God promised Abraham, you're going to be a great nation, and still didn't have a kid. And so him and Hagar had this own plan, and the result of that has this entire history of people that have lived in turmoil ever since, to this very day. And he remembers stories about Moses, who took things into his own hand, and he strikes the rock instead of speaking to the rock and disobeys God. And because of that, Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. One simple thing. When we take things into our own hands. So David knew. And David didn't do that. Instead, what did he do? He let God be God. He let God's plan unfold according to how God saw fit. And that meant that David got to spend time in a cave. It meant that God got to spend, that David got to spend time on the ground, running away from Saul. So, do you ever take matters into your own hands? Maybe not in a kill, kill the king in a cave type of way. Probably not. But seriously, we do this, right? When, when our life gets clogged up by whatever, we tend to take matters into our own hands. We try and buy our way out. We, we try to ignore our way out. We, we try to jump into a different relationship, we, uh, or we try to jump into a different job, because that'll, that'll change everything. That change of scenery, that'll work, right? Or we jump into a different situation, okay? That, that'll, that'll do it. And when, when what we need to do is allow God to be God, to trust that he will do what he says he will do. What, here's what he doesn't say. God does not say, do what you feel like doing, and I'll just make it work. Right? Lots of times in Scripture, we see people do what they want to do. Ask Jonah. Okay? Jonah, that didn't work for him. He ended up in the belly of a whale for three days. Right? He did what he wanted to do, and he ended up getting swallowed by a whale. 
or a giant fish. Here's, here's, what, here's what he does say. Here, here's what God does say. He says, I will be with you. He, he does say, I will never forsake you. He does say, my burden is light. He does say, seek first the kingdom of God. He does say, ask and you will find. He doesn't say, just do whatever you want and we'll figure it out from there. See, David, he had mercy, he had integrity to spare Saul's life. Ironically, the same number of times that Saul attempted to kill him, at least that we read about. You know, he probably tried to kill him multiple times beyond that. But God's plan was the only thing that David was concerned with. He respected the one in authority over him. David knew that Saul was the king. We could learn a lot from that. He respected the one in authority over him. That's hard these days, right? He knew it would reflect on him and his legacy if he acted in a way that everyone else wanted him to do. But more importantly, he knew it would go against what God wanted him to do. Living life according to to God's plan and according to God's time, it's not always easy. And it's not always what we would call fun, for sure. And then again, I'm sure after David was anointed the next king of Israel, he might not want to go back out into the wilderness and watch the sheep. But if he didn't go back out to watch the sheep, would he have had the opportunity to kill the bear and kill the lion and be able to use that testimony in front of Saul a few years later and get in front of Goliath? We'll never know because he did that, right? And I'm sure he probably would like to have lived in a house and not lived life on the run for however long. But he had the opportunity to show his men and show us through Scripture and to show God that he chooses God's plan and he chose God's timing and he chose the, the, and show us his calling of mercy and integrity and help us uh, show uh, to help us to show how he could glorify God even when the stress of life was on him. And he, didn't, he probably didn't like the circumstances he was in. See, David had a choice to make. He had a choice to make. Serve himself or serve God, right? To give himself glory or to glorify God. To lift himself up because he had that opportunity or to, to lift up God. And all his men were watching. God was watching. And David did what was right. He did the right thing. And he had, um, even though he had a different choice that he could make. And many times in our lives, we're faced with the similar decisions, right? Do we make the choice to serve ourselves or to serve God? Do we take matters into our own hands or trust God's plan and his timing? Or do we show mercy? And do we show mercy and, ju- or, uh, and, and when justice seems like it's the easy choice? Because that's not always the easiest way. Just like David, as Jesus followers, people are watching us to make those decisions. And they're hoping that we make the wrong choice so they can point it out. 
They're hoping that we make the wrong choice so it can make them feel better about their shortcomings. And David made the right call. He showed mercy. He had integrity to do, and we can do the same thing, right, by knowing the right things to do. That, that's the start, right? To do right, you have to know right. By listening to the Holy Spirit, by letting God be God and trusting his will and his timing in our lives. So next week, we get to wrap up our purpose and calling in uh, this series. We get a little deeper into David's life, deeper into, uh, he's already the king, and we get to see how it's not all puppies and kittens in his life. So far, we've seen a whole lot of good things that David has done and the great things that he has accomplished, but there's not a whole lot of, uh, it's not always great in his life. So... Um, and we see what happens when you get away from where God's leading you all the time. So uh, we'll, we'll wrap that up next week. Hope you can make it back. And uh, hope you have a great week. Let's pray and uh, bless this day. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you so much for um, the, the great things that you do in our lives. And Father, we know that um, we, we get ahead of ourselves sometimes. And we just ask, Father, that you will... Um, give us the opportunity to, to follow you and to, to, to count our steps in a way that um, we will be as, uh, uh, as patient as we can to see your path, that we won't put our way in front of your way, that, that when you reveal your will to us, it'll be very clear and that we'll do our best to, um, to know what is right so that when we see it, we'll know it immediately. And that's not always easy for us, that, that uh, we'll have the integrity. When the right choice is out there, we'll know immediately what it is and that we'll do it, even if it's not the most popular thing. We pray that for our kids when, they, when we think about the, the choices that are in front of them and um, just the many temptations that they face on a daily basis. Uh, a lot of times in between classes, Father. We just pray, God, that you will protect them. Um, Father, as we go uh, to our jobs every day and the relationships that we keep uh, at, at, at our work, at home, uh, in our families, Father, just pray that you'll protect those in a great and powerful way. And, uh, and Lord, as, if, if there's things that we need to work on, God, just uh, bring those to light. And help us to make the right choice and to, to be merciful. Lord, that, that idea that we give something that's not deserved uh, and we extend that, that justice is not always the, uh, that, we, that we give mercy and, and that we don't judge, Father. That we, uh, we understand that, that that could happen in, in multiple ways, that you could do that to us, but instead you choose mercy for us. And you extend that grace, Father. We thank you so much for that opportunity in our lives. And Father, as we go this week, just show us as many times as possible in the conversations that we have and the people that we meet uh, a way that we can be a reflection of you to them. And uh, we just pray in a, uh, that we will do our best to, uh, to fulfill your mission in our, in our lives to bring others into a closer relationship with you. And we'll be very careful to give you all the glory 
for glorifying you and bringing our purpose ever closer to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Have a great day. Hope you have the opportunity to uh, take a little nap this today before the Chiefs game. But cheer them on. Cheer them on.